You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your Legal Shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about $20 a month. No way, that's so affordable. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to Think positively and all your problems will go away. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and host of this show called The Overwhelmed Brain. This is the personal growth show for the critical thinker and a lot of other types of thinkers too. <laughs> On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. Everything I talk about on this show should not be mistaken for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. And speaking of evolving and learning and growing, and uh, this is all about forward momentum. This is all about getting to a new place inside yourself so that when the challenges come down the pike, <laughs> you are ready for those challenges. But sometimes you're not. Sometimes a challenge will come and You've done all this learning and healing and growing and evolving and you go back to an old behavior. You are triggered. You are emotionally triggered by someone in your life, a family member, a friend, a stranger. You know, someone triggers you and there, there's that old pattern coming out. There's that old behavior that you thought you <laughs> got over. And uh, what do you do? And I had someone write to me and say, you know, Thanks for uh, reading my letter on your show. You didn't exactly get my answer, but I got a lot out of it. Thank you so much. Um, and what they were saying is, what happens when you're on this forward momentum, on this positive path of personal growth, and suddenly you react in a way that's old school you? <laughs> like that old behavior comes back and you think, oh, I did all this learning and growing and now this old behavior's back? Oh, this is a huge step backward or, you know, two steps forward, ten steps backward. And the the letter writer was like, how do I stay positive after that? I, I've done all this work and now, boom, a challenge and I fail. Well, I have some suggestions and maybe what you might want to call advice for that because this is what happens in life. You practice and practice and practice and then you fail. I don't like to call it failure. <laughs> I, I once heard a personal growth teacher say, there are winners and then there are learners. <laughs> and that stuck with me. I was like, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Instead of being a loser, I'll be a learner. I don't want to fail. I want to 
fix it for next time. So that really stuck with me, the idea of when something in your life feels like a failure, it's a learning opportunity. I mean, that's the most practical advice that anyone is going to tell you. It's like, well, what did you learn from this experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I learn? But now I have these emotions to deal with, like this failure that I feel. Like I thought I was better than that, or I thought I was prepared for this. Well, I'll give you some of my insights and maybe that'll help you if you're on a good path of personal growth and suddenly a challenge comes and you feel like you've failed that challenge. I mean, if you've listened to this show a while, you've heard me talk about some of the challenges I've had with my stepfather, how how I've had a chance to either honor myself or submit to him like the child I always was with him, you know, because we deal with things in a certain way when we're younger and then we learn, hey, I don't want to live my life that way anymore. I'm going to honor my boundaries. Well, I have to learn what my boundaries are and then I'm going to honor those boundaries. And then we have the opportunity to to honor those boundaries. So a challenge comes along and we choose to uh, behave the old way, like the child that we were without those boundaries. And then we feel like, oh, I haven't gotten anywhere. And it's true. You don't get very far if you never honor your boundaries. Uh, And sometimes it feels like I don't want to honor my boundaries because the consequences are worse than just having to deal with this in the way I've always dealt with it. So let me get to the first and foremost uh, item that I want to share is that when you've done any type of personal growth, when you have And this is a term that I use. I don't know if you like it, but I like it. When you have evolved, mentally evolved, emotionally evolved, when you have gotten to a place where you feel confident that you now know that you're ready (laughs) to deal with these previous challenges that you really couldn't deal with well before, when you're in that space inside your head, you will be challenged. (laughs) You will receive the exact challenge that you have prepared for. So that's the first thing to keep in mind, that learning comes with the challenge of applying what you've learned. So don't expect those challenges to be easy. (laughs) They usually aren't because they are the things that you haven't done yet. They wouldn't be a challenge if you had already done them and passed them. The challenge are the things that you haven't done yet and usually the stuff that you don't want to deal with. Dealing with someone that you've never had to stand up to before. I've dealt with my stepfather to defy him in the first time ever uh, because that's what I believe that I had um, learned to do before it happened. I believe that I had learned to honor my boundaries before I reconnected with someone that would give me the opportunity to practice that. So again, first and foremost, As soon as you've done some inner personal growth, you will be presented with a challenge to test that inner personal growth. Now that you know that for sure, (laughs) it's your choice to do personal growth. I highly recommend that you do because otherwise you stay stagnant. And if you're living a life that is not fully satisfied or at least not as good as it could be, it's time to do personal growth. It's time to work on yourself or work on your circumstances or whatever. You want to keep moving forward because there's always something new to learn. There's always something to add to your resource tool belt. So what's next then? When the challenge comes and you're faced with that opportunity to uh, 
practice what you've learned and you decide instead to do old behavior, revert back to an old pattern that keeps things the same. Maybe you lose it and yell at someone when you thought you had gotten over that. Maybe you get emotionally triggered in some other way and that upsets you because you felt like, I thought I was over these triggers. When that happens and you've taken those two steps forward, but now you feel like you've taken 10 steps backward, it's easy to be hard on yourself, but here's what I want you to do. First of all, remember that this is an opportunity to use the tools you've, you've learned, and this is a choice to use them. You've probably heard me say this before, but don't focus on the consequences of using those tools. Focus on doing what's right for you in the moment. Because if you focus on the consequences, you're going to remember what it was like in the past, how the other person treated you, how you felt, and then you'll go back to old behavior and you'll stay in that old behavior. And my disclaimer is always pick your battles wisely. Don't do this with violent or aggressive people that will physically hurt you. You want to be very careful about who you allow into your life and who to test this stuff on. <laughs> uh, personally, I don't mind if there's a, a physical confrontation when I'm honoring my boundaries, I'm actually ready to take the punch. That's my own personal opinion. But uh, I've learned over and over and over again that when I honor myself, when I do what's right for me, the punch doesn't come. In fact, it always has worked out better for me. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that's going to happen in every case because I don't know every person in the world and every result. But being able to take these leaps of faith in my life has helped me learn what result I'm going to get. Because that's where we are most of the time, right? We don't know the result, so we're afraid to test what we've learned in that moment. Because what if the result is really bad? Well, I'm here to say that if you've already dealt with bad results and you don't like how things turn out, then you're already there. So you might as well try something different. So now, after the challenge, let's just say that you, quote, failed the challenge. Something comes along and you lose it. You get emotionally triggered or you behave in a way that was unbecoming of you or not within your idea of evolved. If that happens and you feel down on yourself, there are some things you can ask yourself to kind of question what just happened. One of the things is if somebody does something that bothers you or triggers you, just ask yourself, why does this still bother me? I mean, you may have an immediate answer, or you may not. But this is just part of the exploration into yourself. Let's use this as a learning experience. Why does this still bother me? Number two is, what is still unresolved? There's something inside of me that's still unresolved. I can have all these amazing tools at my disposal, but there's still something unresolved. Why does that person piss me off? Why does that person make me unhappy. What's unresolved in me? Number three is, why did I choose to respond that way instead of the way I really wanted? There's no right answers to these. I actually want you to answer these as honestly as possible. If your answer is, because I was afraid, then say that. But when you answer that, I also want you to uh, expand upon that and say, and I was afraid because what? Just write something out or think about that answer uh, so it's not just because I was afraid. You were afraid of what? You know, why were you afraid? What did you think was going to happen? All right, number four is 
would a perfect stranger trigger you in the same way? Or, if a perfect stranger did trigger you, would a family member or a good friend trigger you in the same way? And why or why not? I mean, that's a good question to ask, right? Let's just say that uh, your mom got you upset because she said something about uh, you and your family or whatever. Or you need to find Mr. or Ms. Wright. Or you need to um, have kids. I think my mom said that to me once. Yeah, you need to have kids. If you got triggered by your mom saying something like that, would the same thing said by someone else upset you? Why or why not? Number five is, what response would you have liked to have had? This is where you go in and go, you know what? I have this resource inside of me, but I didn't use it. I have the ability to respond in a way that I wanted to respond, but I chose not to. So I want, I want you to think about what response you would like to have had. And finally, ask yourself, what stopped me from having that response instead? So you think about the response that you'd like to have, and then you ask yourself, well, what stopped me from having that response? I mean, you could go back to that other question, well, I was afraid. But I want you to ask yourself in that specific way, what stopped me from having that response? And you might come up with some other words. You may come up with the, the same answer you came up with before, but I like the way this is worded because that means that if you can figure out what stopped you from having that response, then you can work on that obstacle. You can work on that inhibitor inside of you instead of just trying to be more courageous next time. How about we work on what is actually stopping you from being whatever the word is, courageous or confident or willing to take a leap of faith. What's stopping you from doing that? So there's some questions you can ask yourself if you ever get into this um, situation where you're in a big challenge and you, quote, fail. It's a big quote. You fail that challenge. Meaning you could have responded differently, but you didn't. So as you think about those questions, also think about this. Don't expect people to change. Don't expect your parents to change. Don't expect your kids to change. Don't expect your husband, wife, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, to change. Because if you go into it believing they won't, that puts all the responsibility of responding in a healthy way, the way you want to respond, on you. It puts none of the responsibility on them. If you know someone's going to put you down for something, Yet you go into a conversation hoping that this time they won't put me down or I hope they won't, won't put me down, then that's your fault. If you truly hope that this time they've changed or maybe things are changing and they're not that person anymore, that's your fault. I hate to say it. I hate to be so cold. But if you own the fact that they won't change, then it's up to you to come to a place inside of you knowing that when that behavior that you don't like comes out of someone else, it's your responsibility to respond to it in the way that you find most resourceful. I know that my stepfather won't change, so how can I work with his behavior the way it is now instead of trying to change him? It's sort of like what they teach you in martial arts. When you are sparring with an opponent, you really can't change how they throw punches or kicks or push you or anything like that, you really can't change what they do to you, but you can adapt and change how you respond to what they do to you. In the sense that uh, you get used to how a 
punch is thrown. So you can adapt to that and figure out a way to avoid it or counter it or block it or whatever you have to do. And once you do that, that's part of the process of communicating. Although <laughs> with martial arts, it's not like verbal communication, but it's the same idea. When you're with someone that you know won't change, then your transactions with them will help you evolve. Now, if you choose to stay the same and respond the same way that you always have with them, then you stay where you are. This is something that when you accept it, then you get your power back and you can choose to do something about it. It's just that a lot of people don't want to do something about it because of the whatever fears might kick in. And of course, it works in reverse. If someone gets used to how you respond to events, we'll use the martial arts example again, then they're going to figure out how you throw punches and kicks and learn to counter that easily. So let's talk about conversations. When you're having a conversation with someone that usually triggers you, then they're going to know exactly what triggers you and use that against you. I mean, if they're that kind of person. Because you're not going to change. If you don't change, why should they change? It should be the same way. So I think you get the idea what I mean. Uh, the next thing I want you to remember is write down your accomplishments. Now, this is something that's a little different from the rest of this segment. But um, my girlfriend reminded me of this because I asked her this question before I went on the air. <laughs> I'm like, what would you do if you're going along with your personal growth and um, suddenly you got triggered and you were like, oh, I don't know why I got triggered. I thought I worked on that. I thought I was healed from that. And yet, yet I got triggered again. And then we had a, a very good conversation on that. And she said, you know, when I get down, when I think about um, my failures, where I've lost in life, I refer to a sheet of things that I've accomplished. And she goes, you know, the first time I did this, I didn't think it would work. But now that I have it, when I'm thinking that I'm such a loser or I haven't gotten anywhere in life, I look at this list of accomplishments and go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that one, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was hard to get to that point, but I did it. And she has all these accomplishments. And it's funny because I have a very similar thing. I have a, a site on my page. I call it um, Praise for the Overwhelmed Brain. And whenever I get any type of compliment, anything that says, I love your show or you've done so much for me or anything else like that, I put it on that page as a reminder for me. So if I'm ever feeling just wiped out, tired for any reason, then I can refer to that page and it really lifts me up. I mean, I start reading these things and I go, wow. All these people have said these things about me and uh, it makes me feel really good to have that to refer to. So it's kind of like the same thing. You have a list of either accomplishments or compliments or something that really lifts your spirits because sometimes you need a way out of this bad feeling that you get, which reminds me of something else my girlfriend said, which is uh, sometimes it's helpful to have a step-by-step -step process to get out of a bad feeling. She thinks that people with anxiety do this. She goes, I'll write down what you did to get out of anxiety before. And she goes, just list the steps of what you did. That way, when you're in it and you can't think straight, you can just refer to this, you know, step by step and suddenly you're out. Well, on the way out. <laughs> so I thought that was a good idea, too. So I wanted to share that with you. And the last thing I want to share with you in this segment regarding uh, communicating with people, having healthy relationships and especially what we're talking about here is when you feel like you failed, when you feel like, oh, I've done all this progress, but now I'm taking these 10 steps backwards 
and it feels like I'm starting from scratch again. You just got to remember that some people are just buttheads. <laughs> and I use that term specifically because you butt heads with them and that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you really can't expect anything more that they'll be a butthead. <laughs> so it's very similar to the um, one of the earlier things I said, which is people don't change, don't expect them to change. It doesn't mean they won't ever change. You just can't expect it to be that way so that you can have a conversation knowing that they are who they are going to be and you just need to develop new communication skills, new resources inside of you to plan for their bad behavior, period. <laughs> and it's true. Some people are just buttheads. That doesn't sound very unconditionally loving from me. <laughs> but at the same time, I can look at someone who is uh, exhibiting bad behavior and see that they are capable of more. But it doesn't stop me from disliking them in that moment and knowing they're capable of making me feel bad. It doesn't stop me. So I just acquiesce and say, well, that guy's a butthead. So <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. So I have to be very resilient and be able to tolerate their behavior if I want to spend any time with them. And I cannot expect them to be anything but they are. <laughs> That's all for this segment. Let's go to Ask Paul next. So we're here with Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She is an independent associate for Legal Shield, and she always makes us a little bit more intelligent when it comes to some of the major challenges that come along in life. And uh, if you don't believe that's true, just give her a call <laughs> because she's been through so much of it. So Asha is an independent associate for Legal Shield. And I gave her the reins today to talk about anything she wants. So, Asha, go ahead. Tell us what you got today. So, it seems to be that divorce is the rage these days. I hate to say it, but it's true. And everybody apparently needs one. Okay, well, perhaps you don't need one, but maybe you do. In which case, if you are contemplating divorce and all of a sudden you are noticing that there are extra charges on your credit card bills... You should probably file something very quickly because you're going to be responsible for half of everything accrued when you're married. So if you think that your spouse is maybe sneaky, you might want to go ahead and get those papers filed sooner than later. Another thing to think about if you're needing to get a divorce is you don't want to use your attorney as an emotional sounding board. You want to make sure that you are really just dealing with facts. You have your head screwed on when you get there. You do what you need to do and you keep it business because I hate to say it, but the judge doesn't care unless there's alimony involved. Other than that, they just don't care about your sad sobbing story. So you want to go ahead and just get to business and get it done. If you can get an uncontested divorce or an amicable divorce from your partner spouse because they are going to agree with you on everything from division of debt to division of assets, then get Legal Shield and 90 days later you can get a free 
uncontested divorce and they'll file it for you. If it's going to be contentious in any way, you should probably put on your hip boots and dive in. <laughs> Doesn't always go so smoothly and get Legal Shield because you're going to save 25% off your hourly fees, which over time can add up to big bucks. All right. Thanks, Asha. Can anyone just go to the Legal Shield website and sign up for this? Actually, you have to have an associate. So if you would please use my link, go to getoutofthemess.com and that will take you to a page where you can sign up or call me at 678-355-8777. All right, welcome back. This is Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through a challenge. And uh, before I read an email, um, there's a couple emails that I received. One was a uh, reply to uh, a message that I read on the air a few months ago, you know, thanking me for reading it on the air, and you're welcome. And uh, also saying that here's the situation that I'm in. And she started describing uh, many, many of the symptoms of emotional abuse. When I read through this, I was like, oh, because her first email was about, was about people-pleasing. You know, it's all about me, people-pleasing. I know I'm responding in a way that I shouldn't respond, that I should honor myself and, and not just say yes to everyone and everything. And um, okay, so I addressed it in the direction of people-pleasing, not realizing she had other things going on in her life that uh, took advantage of her people-pleasing. And, uh, you know, people-pleasers often have a big heart, lots of compassion, lots of generosity, very kind and caring, and they're always there for you. I mean, people-pleasing is a dysfunction at the same time. It's like the amplified version of a very good person. <laughs> so if you're a people-pleaser, it's not necessarily that you are just a dysfunctional mess. <laughs> and I say that with love and caring and kindness because for many, many years, I was a people pleaser. I was right in that same boat. So when she wrote this, I, you know, I was like, oh, I can relate to this. <laughs> Let's talk about it. And then I did a show on it. Well, her return email to me was telling me about her boss and her husband and um, how she can say certain things to her boss, but not her husband. And um, she started describing exactly what her husband uh, did and said and his behavior and again, it had all the signs of emotional abuse. And emotional abuse is one of those things in a relationship that's really hard to pinpoint in the sense that often, and I've seen this with many, many clients who have emotionally abusive partners, that uh, often there'll be a relationship where one person is made to feel uh, guilty, responsible, crazy it's that crazy making and um uh, also uh, nervous to do anything outside the confines of the relationship um also not secure in themselves like one person will have all these qualities and the other person will think nothing's wrong with me <laughs> you're the problem everything on my side of the fence is fine 
anything that you bring up is because of you. It's your fault. And let me tell you why. And they'll have reasonable, rational, logical explanations of exactly why it's all your fault and exactly why that you should continue to feel guilty, bad, uh, and responsible for everything that's bad in the relationship. And I'm here to say, if you have a big heart, if you're kind, if you're compassionate, and you always try to do the right thing, but you're made to feel guilty, and you're feeling these other things that I just said, then you're probably being emotionally abused. I'm making a massive assumption here because I don't know (laughs) because there are so many different types of relationships and so many different types of dynamics. But I guarantee you, if you went into a relationship kind, even like a people pleaser, compassionate, and you have all these wonderful qualities about you and you're always just really, you're even honest and you're trying to do the right thing. If you're in a relationship where you're made to feel guilty and responsible for all the problems and insecure in yourself, and maybe you used to think you were smart, but now you think you're not, or maybe you stop trusting yourself, or maybe uh, you think your partner seems emotionally detached, or here's a big one, your friends and family think your partner is like the best ever, and you are going crazy, you feel like you can't convince anyone that he or she is not what your friends and family see because you're experiencing the compound effect of the daily subtle manipulation that goes on. And especially if you can't pinpoint exactly why you feel the way you do and exactly what your partner is doing or saying to make you feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can use the old argument. No one can make you feel anything. Well, I'm here to say that those people can. (laughs) I've seen this over and over again. They are crafty. They are very adept. They learn to do it at a very young age, probably passed on from their caretakers, from mom and dad, uh, or just a single parent. And they take it with them through their relationships because, and here's another big thing, they don't want to feel pain. They don't want to feel guilt. They don't want to feel responsibility. So what they do is they push all of this stuff back onto you. And now you get to feel everything that they don't want to feel and nothing is wrong with them. Everything is fine with them. And I'm being very sarcastic. It bugs me that people are are, are out there doing this. And I'm going to make the same admission I made a few episodes ago that I used to be an emotional manipulator. I didn't know I was. And I have a feeling a lot of people out there don't know they are either. They just think that other people aren't doing what they're supposed to do and it makes them upset. So what they do is manipulate those people, manipulate the situation so that other people conform so that uh, the manipulator is not upset anymore. I mean, that's what I used to do. I used to manipulate situations. I used to judge my wife and find ways to manipulate Uh, conversation uh, so that I wouldn't have to feel any pain and so that I could get my needs met. My needs were dysfunctional needs. Well, let me put it this way. They weren't necessarily dysfunctional. It's the way I got them met that was dysfunctional. Because I think we all have the basic human needs of wanting love and attention and support and nurturing and all these other things from the people around us. 
especially the people that we're in an intimate relationship with. But manipulators know how to craft conversation. They know how to set up circumstances so that it always favors them and never their partner. And it's almost always done to make their partner feel wrong. Because if they're wrong, then they'll feel guilty, they'll feel bad, they'll feel sorry for their partner. I I often did that. I often made my wife and my girlfriends in other relationships too feel bad or feel sorry for me. You know, I'm working on it. That's all I always say. I always say something like, I'm working on it. I'm I know I need healing. You know, I had a troubled childhood and I'm and I'm trying to figure it out and there was always a story. I always had a story. So I always found um, an excuse to be who I am, which wasn't helpful. It was hurtful. Uh, it was abusive to the people I was with. And it took me lots of breakups and finally a divorce to rattle my cage enough to go, oh, I'm the one that's causing these problems. So I need to uh, figure this out before I get into another relationship. And that's exactly what I did. I The last year of my marriage before it ended, I figured out, oh, my judgments are the problem. Not her not changing. <laughs> Me judging her and wanting her to change is the problem here. She's going to change or not change. It shouldn't matter to me. If I want her to change, that's fine too. But if I force that upon her and I make her feel bad for not changing and I can't accept the fact that she doesn't change, now I make a choice. I'm either going to stay and accept it or leave because I reject it. Or maybe I'll stay and manipulate so she does change so I can get what I want. And that's where it gets crafty. And that's when I used to utilize my manipulation skills. And uh, it took me it took me over a year to really heal from that and really take responsibility, take it in and go, me, I'm the problem. I need to fix me. And by the time I was healed from a lot of it, if not all of it by now, uh, whenever I see this personality trait come out in me, I have the wherewithal enough to step out of it and go, whoa, what do they just do? <laughs> whoa, I'll, I got to stop that. Because if I do that, and I know where that leads, that leads to eventual demise of the relationship. I mean, if you're a manipulator listening to this now, you first of all, you may not know it. <laughs> Second of all, if you do know it, if, you, if, if you're resonating with some of the things I've said here, then here's what's going to happen. Eventually, your partner will sense something is off or wrong. Eventually, your partner will feel um, afraid to be around you. And what that means is when you have a feeling of insecurity in a relationship, it's downhill from there. It doesn't go anywhere but down. And there will be a downward spiral where there'll be an eventual split or absolutely falling out of love. That happens. When there's manipulation in the relationship, love disappears. It, it gets fried because the person that you want to love you can't because they're afraid. Because when they do love you, they get abuse back. They get judgments. They get all the things that they're doing wrong. They get invalidated by you. They feel insignificant around you. They don't feel important. They definitely don't feel supported in their path and what they want to do in life because it's all about what you want them to do. 
So I'm, I'm speaking from experience here, not that I'm proud of it, but I'm damn happy I'm not doing that anymore because that was a terrible place for me too because I never felt like my needs were getting met. I always felt like I had to take charge and make everything work in order for this relationship to work. And the secret the entire time was I just need to accept the, my partner for who they are and work on myself and my own improvement. And I never did that. I never did that in any of my relationships prior to this one. Uh, well, the last year of my marriage, I started doing that. But by that time, it was too late. She fell out of love. She didn't feel safe around me anymore. And I don't blame her for leaving. <laughs> now that I've gotten over this behavior and I can look back at my own past and see what I did to create uh, a misery in her life, that gave me a lot of education. And now I clearly see it in relationships, in the people that I talked with directly in my coaching. And I can see exactly what's happening, just like uh, the email I was telling you about that I received, uh, this person telling me about what her husband does. And boy, she said the word guilt at least two or three times in that letter. And I just read another one yesterday where someone just said the word guilty over and over and over and over again. I have a feeling that when you have this guilty feeling in a relationship and it's very consistent or very frequent, you might be being manipulated. I don't want you to jump the gun. I don't want you to make any conclusions. I just want you to understand that if you feel guilty more often than not in your relationship and that guilt is coming from your partner, you need to look into that and figure out, wait, is there manipulation going on here? So there's lots of videos on, on YouTube and there's lots of articles that I've read on emotional manipulation. I highly recommend you do all of that. And um, also I'm working on a workbook, like a few worksheets that have a checklist of the signs of emotional abuse and also explain what it is and what you can do about it and specifically just how emotionally abused you are being if you're in this type of relationship. So I came up with a um, this worksheet that has a classification system, tells you what class you're in, like A, B, C, or D, A being the least, D being the worst, and what to look for, what to expect, and uh, it really pinpoints the symptoms that you're going through, the symptoms in the relationship, and helps you identify what you really can't do when you're in the midst of it. Because 100% of the time, well, 99% of the time, the people I've talked with that have been in emotionally abusive situations can't pinpoint where the abuse is. They have no idea how it's happening or what specifically their partner is doing. They know something's going on. And then when they ask their friends and family, of course, their friends and family don't see anything. They think their partner is the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> so it's hard to rely on them and you feel so alone in this situation. And especially you feel stuck. Like I can't go anywhere. My partner has convinced me that I'm not good enough for anyone else. And he or she is lucky to have me. Ouch. You don't want that kind of situation. If you're in that situation, then consider looking at this in yourself, looking at this in your relationship. And I mentioned the worksheet because I'm taking names and emails for this worksheet if you're interested in it. I haven't determined the final price on it yet, but I've got the input from other experts on emotional abuse 
uh, in the worksheet and also some resources that you can use along with just being able to identify the specific uh, patterns or things that are going on in your life so that you don't feel alone and so that you have some labels to put on these things that are happening to you. So if you think or know that you're in an emotionally abusive relationship and you want more information on this worksheet I'm building, I want you to go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash mean. That's M-E-A-N. I'll send you an email, put you on the waiting list, and let you know when it's ready, how much it is, and um, send it to you as soon as it's available. I mean, I don't think the price is going to be that much. It's going to be like um, $29, $39. They just have to make sure that all the investment that's going into this you know, gets returned. I'm not here to make a million bucks <laughs> on you. I actually want this to be in your hands without too much cost or effort. But it's going to tell you a lot, and it's going to help you through uh, the situation that you might be in. So there's more information at theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash mean. Go ahead and check it out. And uh, when we come back, I'll finally get to an email and see if I can uh, help them through that challenge. Be right back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Ask Paul Part 2. I've had a few Part 2s lately. <laughs> so I'm going to read a message here from someone I'm going to call, I don't know, Jer- Jer- Gerald, Jerry. <laughs> it's not Gerald or Jerry. I'm just making something up. Uh, Jerry says, hello, someone on a mental health forum suggested me sending you an email. I don't know if this is the right place, but it's the last resource I got. So I've been having some problems lately. Uh, For the last few years, I've been feeling very bad, depressed, no motivation to do anything, and my emotions have just got out of control. It's been getting worse and worse to a point where I struggle through every day. It's a constant feeling of distress that's just very, very painful. The problem is, I'm afraid of getting help. But not only that, I'm completely terrified of telling anyone that I have a mental illness especially my parents. That's because I've never talked about my feelings to anyone, ever. It's actually one of the most scary things I can imagine. I've always been a little cold to people. I've searched for solutions online, but they're always based on willpower and having a goal, and I lack it totally. What can I do to get out of this? All right, Jerry, first of all, thank you for sharing this. You just took a big step and shared some of this stuff with me. And um, I think that is the best first step you can do. I mean, there's a lot of best first steps. But the best first step you can do is just start to describe what's going on in your life. So, yes, congratulations. You did it. This is huge. Thank you for doing that. Also, second, uh, this might be another congratulations or not, depending on how you look at it. Um, If you're feeling that your emotions are out of control, you're, you're probably not depressed, like clinically speaking. Um, This is just my opinion, my personal opinion, not a professional opinion. So certainly get yourself checked by a doctor if you have concerns about that. But uh, people who are depressed typically don't have emotions. They are just numb. They can't feel it. I mean, I've been there. I was like that for almost a year and a half. Just couldn't feel anything. I didn't want to do anything. And I had, you know, very unhealthy thoughts. 
because I didn't like where I was. I didn't like the way I felt, which is not much at all. I didn't feel much. Uh, but it doesn't mean you're not down. It doesn't mean you're unhappy. It just means that uh, maybe you're not depressed, which is good. I think it's really good to actually feel anything, even the pain. And when I was depressed, I wish I could have felt pain. I couldn't even feel that. So if you're feeling pain, this is a good sign. I want that to kind of sink in that these, even these bad emotions that you might be going through is a good sign. That's connection to what I refer to as the emotional pool inside you. The emotional pool is closed when you're depressed. You can't access anything. But if you're still feeling, then yes, you're accessing the emotional pool, which means you have access to the good stuff too. But let's talk about the main question you have, which has to do with how to get out of this. And I'm totally with you. When you, like you said, search for solutions online, but they're always based on willpower and having a goal. Wow. (laughs) Talk about the worst advice when you're in that place. Now, it's good advice. You know, it's great to have willpower and it's great to have goals. I don't put that stuff down. But when you're emotionally down and you can't even get motivated to take the first step towards having a goal or something, that's probably not the advice that you that you need. So I'm with you there. I'm, I'm totally with you. If I looked for something that said, how to get out of depression, and somebody said, you need to have a goal, I would have been, <laughs> I would have fallen asleep. I would have been like, that's too overwhelming. I don't want to get a goal. That's not what I want. That's not what I need. Even when I was depressed, I, I would know that wasn't what I needed. I mean, I could have had a thousand goals back then, but it wouldn't have gotten me out of my depression. Um, so let's talk about what you said here. Uh, a couple of things that you said. You said, I'm completely terrified of telling anyone that I have a mental illness. Now, I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. If you have an actual mental illness or not, it's possible. But um, let's just say you did. So what? (laughs) I'm saying that of of love and respect for you because I don't think having a mental illness is necessarily something that's going to keep you from being happy. So let's just say that you did. All right, I have a mental illness. Let's, you know, let's just admit that to ourselves. I have a mental illness. So what? That doesn't mean you don't do anything about it or seek help. I'm just saying let's get rid of the resistance to what you think you have, this mental illness. Just say, okay, I have a mental illness. So what? That doesn't mean it's not important. That doesn't mean it doesn't need to be addressed. I just want you to let go of the resistance to it if you have any. You may not. If you have any, then it's helpful just to go, so what? I have a mental illness. What's next? You know, it's interesting that you say this because when I was younger, I felt uh, like I wasn't very smart. And I felt like I always did stupid things. (laughs) Not always, but oftentimes. And um, I would forget a lot of things. And then when I was in uh, my first long-term relationship, um, my girlfriend was so smart. And next to her, I just felt so stupid. And then she would be like, don't you remember yesterday we just talked about this? And I'd be like, "Uh, no, I I don't remember it at all. And back then I was repressing a lot of emotions. And when you repress emotions, I I have a feeling that you repress memories too because memories are attached to emotions and things like that. So 
uh, I think that was happening in my life. So I actually said, <laughs> I actually told her, I said, I think I might have a mental illness. I said what you said. I, I said, I might be mentally challenged. I might have been born with a mental challenge. And I think that's how I'm made up. I don't, I don't think I can help this. I really believed it. <laughs> I really believed, or at least I was 99% sure that there was something mentally wrong with me. Again, you know, mental illness doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. It's just something that I thought I had, just like you saying it. I don't want to tell anyone I have a mental illness. So I don't, I don't know what, exactly what you mean by that, but uh, to relate to you, I really felt like I did. But I had no problem telling people that. I feel like I might have been born with uh, some mental problems. And um, my girlfriend would be like, oh, no, you can't use that excuse. <laughs> and I'm like, but I feel like it. It must be true. So um, over the years, as I learned how to express myself, express these negative emotions inside of me, the concerns that I was born with any type of mental challenge were less and less. It doesn't mean I don't have one. <laughs> Who knows? But at least I'm not looking at that as the excuse I used to use. So I'm not saying that you're using it as an excuse. It may be true for you. But um, I'm saying that it's not a big deal. It might feel like a big deal, but I'm just saying don't make it too much of a big deal. Don't, don't use that as something that holds you back from going in the direction you want to go. Which brings me to my final thought on your direction, which is you're afraid of getting help. You're terrified of talking to people. You're, you're scared to talk to your parents. And you've never talked about your feelings to anyone ever. Well, here's my advice. First of all, uh, support groups. I talked about this, uh, I think, on the last episode. Support groups are a fantastic way to just sit back and listen and not have to talk until you're ready. Great way to do it. What kind of support group? I don't know what kind you might need or might want to check out, but uh, you can just look for support groups in your area and see what resonates with you most. So there's one practical piece of advice. Second piece of advice is, yes, you can find someone safe. You may not know anyone that's safe to talk to, but safe in the way that if you express something that you're afraid to express, are they going to judge you? Are they going to make you feel embarrassed by expressing it? If you can find someone like that, even a therapist, if you can afford therapy, if you can afford a counselor, if you can afford a, a coach or a mentor, then you reach out to that person. Now, that might be a big step because you may have trust issues too. I don't know who to trust. And that's understandable. That's why the support group is usually a more welcome option because you can just sit back. You don't have to talk. In most support groups, you just sit there and they might say, well, introduce yourself. And you might go, um, I'm Jerry. And they might say, oh, you want to share Jerry? And you might go, no, not really. And they'll go, okay. And they'll just move on. That's typical of support groups that you can just sit there and at least feel like other people can relate to you and you don't have to talk with them. But eventually you'll, you know, you can get comfortable enough to talk with them if you want. So that, that's also another idea. Now, my third and probably most um, practical, uh, easiest to implement idea for you is to simply uh, write me back and express everything on your mind. You know what? Y you took the first step and you expressed this stuff. Just write me back and tell me everything 
that you're embarrassed by, ashamed by, feel guilty about, feel um, worried, feel humiliated about, anything on your mind that you don't want to share, just share it. Because you took the first step with me and I've opened the door and said, you know what, just share it. And I'm not here to tell you that I'm going to reply and tell you everything's going to be okay. I just want you to get it off your chest. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Well, I'm sort of telling you what to do (laughs) right now. But I just want you to get to that second step. That second step is walking through the door. You've opened it by writing to me, by telling me what's on your mind, telling me your concerns, telling me your fears. Why not walk through the door and say, all this stuff about my life, all this stuff. And I've heard almost everything. So don't be afraid to share anything you want to share. And I'm not going to come on the air and tell everyone your secrets. (laughs) I keep things very generic. No one knows who you are now. The name Jerry is nowhere close near your real name. I just want you to express it because that once you get past that first step, first of all, writing it down or typing it into a computer slows your brain processes down as you write, as you type, uh, to the point where you're thinking about it in a set of sequential steps. Well, I feel this way because, you know, whatever that because is, because when I was eight, my uncle did this to me. I've heard a lot, so don't be afraid to just let it out. And when I was 12, uh, I broke into a car. And when I was 16, I punched a girl in the face or something. You know, whatever it is for you. And uh, you just let this stuff out. It's, it's just getting it off your chest. I mean, that's a huge thing. I had a client the other day that said, you know, I told you things that I've never told anyone. And I just feel so much different. And I feel like I'm processing things. And I feel like I have a positive outlook on on things now. Things are changing for me. And I was like, this is great. She said, I'm so glad that I expressed those things. And yes, you just have to get it off your chest. So, you know, Jerry or anyone listening right now, I want to share this with you. If you're holding on to something and you've been holding on to it for a long time, express it in some way, shape, or form. I don't care if you have to write it down on a piece of paper, get it all out, get your anger, your embarrassment, your shame, your guilt, um, your sadness, everything. Just write it all out and you can pretend you're going to send it to someone that you're upset with. Uh, You can wrap it up in a ball and throw it in a fire. Uh, You can do anything you want with it, but at least take that first step and write it out. I tell you what, when I got divorced, The pain that I was feeling was very hard. And the day I wrote her an email, it was like three pages long and reread it and said, oh, I feel this way and I feel this way and I'm rereading it. But as I reread it, I felt a little lighter. It was like I just expressed everything I was angry at her about. And then I rewrote it and then I felt a little lighter after rewriting it and then rereading it again going, wow, I don't really feel as angry as I used to feel. And maybe I really shouldn't blame her for that. And maybe I feel better about that now and it doesn't really bother me as much. And then I rewrote it a third time and I finally reached a peace 
in myself because I expressed it all. I felt like I was talking directly to her and that because she wasn't in the room, she couldn't reply. She couldn't uh, defend herself. She couldn't attack me. I just wrote it all out. And I never sent the first two emails. I only sent the one that I felt at peace with that really made me feel good and um, where I took you know responsibility for my role in the, in the demise of the relationship. And I sent that. And that was a huge release for me. I'm not saying you have to send anything to anyone. I'm just saying whatever your path is, is the one you need to follow. Whether you type it up and you just want to journal it for a while, whether you start an email to someone and just keep typing and typing and typing, you know, keeping the to field blank just in case you accidentally send it. (laughs) Don't want to jump the gun. But you get the idea. Just expressing It doesn't have to be with someone. It can be with a virtual someone. I don't know how many times I've had someone in my mind that I stood in front of and expressed myself or even punched them in the face (laughs) or whatever I had to do in my mind just to communicate the message I needed to get out. So, Jerry, whatever you're holding on to, this is the time to release it. You don't have to express to anyone. If you're terrified of that, just write it out. Express it to yourself. Express it to someone in your mind in a virtual world that you create. Or start an email or start a letter or just write me back and express it all. I guarantee you, once you get it out, it opens you up a little more and gives you more access to that emotional pool inside of you. Because that emotional pool contains everything, everything to feel. Not just the bad stuff, the good stuff too. It's just that right now the the water's a little murky. So by expressing it, it'll clean that up and you'll feel it. It'll feel a lot different. So that's my advice for you, Jerry. I hope that helps. Thank you for writing and thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I appreciate you. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank GetOutOfTheMess.com. They're our sponsor for this episode. Asha is great. Give her a call at 678-355-8777 and she'll let you know if this service is right for you. It's in the U.S. and Canada only. I'm sorry, Greenland. (laughs) But this is a great service. I highly recommend it. I use it myself. And it's a lot less expensive having an attorney for 250 an hour at your beck and call. And it's a great service that you can use for many, many things. I mean, more than I can even list in a single episode. So check it out. Go to getoutofthemess.com. And I want to thank you if you've purchased the book, TheOverwhelmedBrain.com, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers. If you like this show and you want to get from a place of maybe feeling lack of control, lack of power to a place of full self-empowerment, get the A to Z of self-empowerment at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and just click on the book on the right, and you can get your physical copy that you can take with you when you go on vacation, go on an airplane, or go to the bathroom because that's the only break you get. (laughs) 
So check it out. It's the same name as the show, The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers. And I want to thank the patron members, members of the TOB patron program. You know, they give to this show anywhere from $3 a month and up. They give to this show and help it stay on the air. Yes, they also get private episodes and worksheets and group trainings and even email coaching and things like that. But they are also responsible for helping keep this show on the air. And I'm appreciative of that. And I just want to express that appreciation here. If you're a patron member, thank you. And if you want to support the show and also get all those goodies that I was talking about, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. It only starts at $3 a month where you can get the private episodes and uh, the price goes up from there depending on what else you want. But if you find value in the show and you want a way to give back, that's a great way to do it. And also you can use the Amazon link at theoverwhelmedbrain.com, which every time you shop using that link, Amazon sends us a few pennies on the dollar so uh, we can keep the show running then that way too. So anyway, let me thank the last person, which is Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, who graciously provides some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. So to end the show, I'm going to talk about something a little personal. It's not juicy, (laughs) but it's a little personal. And it has to do with, um, uh, for 15 years, I had a sciatic nerve issue. I talk about it in the uh, chronic pain episodes that I've done. I think even last week I talked about it. But, um, you know, there was a lot of sadness in, in during that time, I mean, as the the pain got worse and worse, and eventually I felt like I couldn't even go up and down the stairs without uh, stopping and and just you know pushing into that nerve, trying to deaden it a little bit, which never worked. I just just pushed into my my butt bone back there and tried to um, make the nerve just not hurt as much. I had so many emotions surrounding it. It just just made me feel awful and. and I had such sadness surrounding that. I don't know what it was. I think I was just sad that, oh, my life is debilitating and I can't do anything. And then I had an operation. I had back back surgery back in, um, what, 2012 or 2013, I think. And uh, from that point on, I was 95, 98% pain-free. And I tell you what, the feeling of going from 15 years of pain to being pain-free was, oh, I just tear up thinking about it now. It's just such a difference. It's like being let out of an emotional prison. And it changed me. It really made me appreciate and be so grateful for the functioning of my body. And I know there are people listening now that have a hard time being grateful. They have a hard time thinking about that their body is doing the right thing. And, you know, I receive emails that say, I have 20 things that are going on in my body, and uh, I'm still working hard to stay positive and do do the things I need to do for me and, you know, keep a good quality of life. And I think that's so important, is just to keep focusing on what you can do and what's important in your life and moving in that direction. You may not be able to do the things that you used to do. I mean, I had to give up uh, inline skating, uh, something I did for 10 years because my sciatic nerve pain got so bad. And just to be able to get a new pair of skates, just like a month ago, I just got a new pair of skates to start skating again. It's, it just fills my heart and I just 
I'm so grateful to be able to use my body in those ways. So what I'm saying is that uh, think about all the things you can do. Not the things you can't. Think about the things you can do. And imagine what it would be like if you couldn't do it anymore. I know I'm kind of putting you in that down space right now. <laughs> but imagine that. Imagine if you have your eyesight and then suddenly you couldn't see. If you have your hearing and then suddenly you couldn't hear. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear your kids or your mom or your dad or your partner. You couldn't hear them. It's not pleasant when you think of having something and then losing it. It's not pleasant. So think about your hands. What if you suddenly had no hands? It's like that guy that went um, climbing in the rocks and he got stuck. His hand got stuck on a rock and he had to sit there for five days. And then finally, and this is kind of graphic, uh, remove his hand. And he had to to survive. He had to experience what it was like to have something and then not have something. Now I got to look him up. What's his name? It was a movie named after him. 127 hours. Uh, Aaron Ralston. So Aaron Ralston climbing through these rocks and a rock fell and trapped his hand. And it got stuck. So he had to remove his hand after five days because he was going to die. And so he's a, a great inspiration for somebody like that. If you have something and then you lose it, what do you do then? Well, he didn't stop rock climbing. In fact, he has, a, I think, a prosthetic uh, limb now or something there to help him rock climb. It didn't stop him. We have capabilities. If you can think, you can do something. I don't know how inspirational this is for someone who's in a lot of pain, who can't really move too much, I don't know if that's a lot of inspiration to you, but I know you can do something. Even in the pain that I was in for 15 years, I found other things to do. And I'm talking about things that have meaning, not sitting on the couch all day watching TV, although I found that to be meaningful too because it took me out of the pain. But my whole point behind this, and I, I am going somewhere, somewhere with this, is that um, just yesterday, or no, the day before, I felt sciatic pain and it was on my other leg and I was like what's this there's no way I'm getting sciatic pain again am I there's no way that's happening and suddenly I had this realization what if it comes back and it's on the other side and what would life be like and I suddenly felt sad and it came out of nowhere and I realized wow that time in my life when I had sciatic pain made me feel sad and I was always sad. And to think that it might come back made me feel sad again. So what did I do? How did I get out of that? Well, I moped around <laughs> feeling really sad, feeling really defeated. I went through a process of hoping it wouldn't stay and, and wishing that it would go away. But there's something else I did that I think is really important. I promised myself that I would take care of me from this point on better than I ever have. And that was important. That was me telling God, telling the universe, telling my, my higher self, my inner self, whatever's out there. That was me making a commitment to myself going, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. So whether you have sciatic pain or not, I realized that 
Maybe it's because I'm so sedentary. Maybe it's because I don't walk around enough. Maybe it's because I don't get enough exercise. Maybe it's because I don't eat right. You know, probably can't equate sciatic pain with eating right. I don't know. Maybe you can. But I decided that I needed to take better care of myself. I'm at that age, you know, where things start to go wrong if you're not in real good shape. So I better start taking care of myself. And that made me feel good. That made me feel appreciative of myself in many ways, even though I felt that sciatic pain. And so for the last, I don't know, two or three days, that pain started to go away. I'm not saying it's related, (laughs) but I don't feel it today. I felt it a little bit this morning, but it feels like maybe I twisted something, put it in the wrong place, but it gave me a perspective I absolutely needed and it made me commit to a path that I needed to take, which is taking care of myself. Because I sit at my desk all day long and I rarely get up and do things. I mean, I get up every couple hours or so, but I come right back to this desk, right back to all my audio equipment and um, my computer and answer emails, work on workbooks, work on videos, just do all this stuff to create uh, what I do over here at The Overwhelmed Brain. And I enjoy every minute of it, but I have to move. I have to keep my mind and body fresh. And in order to do that, I have to do the most practical advice you always hear, which is get plenty of rest. (laughs) Don't overindulge in bad foods or foods that are bad for you. And um, exercise. And there's other things too, but uh, those three things are the first things that came to mind. And so for the last few days, uh, I decided to, I'm not sure how far this is going to go, but (laughs) give up sugar and give up sweet snacks, give up caffeine, at least the pattern of sugar and caffeine that I've had, which is sometimes every other day or every third day, and that was way too much, making me tired, making an an addiction that I wanted more of it, but I've, I've been without it for five or six days now, and I'm starting to feel better. I'm starting to feel pretty good, and I'm starting to skate, and I'm starting to eat healthier, and I'm starting to eat a little less, And all of these things that I decided to do because I don't want to be where I was. And if I do end up where I was before in some sort of pain or chronic thing, then I want to be as healthy as I possibly can. Because nothing's worse going into something like that in an unhealthy way. Because now your body is not as prepared as it could be. So I wanted to share this for two reasons. One is that just think about the commitment that you can make to yourself regarding anything, not just physical health, but are your relationships? Do you want healthier relationships? Start to move in the path of giving yourself healthier surroundings, feeding yourself in a healthy way, not just food, but what other things can you feed yourself? Can you feed yourself with good relationships, good conversation, uplifting stories and movies? Can you feed yourself this stuff so that it moves you in a positive direction? And the second reason I I shared that is because it's sometimes hard to remember what we take advantage of. I take advantage of my eyesight until I'm really tired and everything looks blurry. And I go, wait, (laughs) I'm not impervious to bad eyesight. I've never worn glasses, but now my eyesight is getting a little blurry when I'm tired. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm just tired? Or does that mean I need glasses? 
And so I start becoming very grateful that I could see. I'm becoming very grateful that I can hear. And I don't know when this kicks in in life, but I have a feeling that when you start having problems with a part of you, a part of your body, then you're more aware of your body. And so I'm just saying, take an opportunity, if you want, to be aware of something on your body. Like that thumb on your hand, if you have a thumb. (laughs) If you don't, then I'm sorry. Think of something else. But I look at my thumb and go, wow, if I didn't have that thumb, how would I pick up a cup? People can do it. They can do it without thumbs. But I'm grateful that I have this thumb. So I think it's a neat way to just uh, use as a reminder and to help you become aware of what is working in your life and what is healthy in your life and being grateful for those things and wanting more of those things. Because if you're feeding yourself a lot of unhealthy things, you know where it ends up. You don't want to end up there. I don't want you to end up there. I want you to open your mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.